Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast for fans of amazing TV. And I'm Zach. I'm Jake. And tonight we're talking about Game of Thrones. This is episode 503. Um, I think it was titled, uh, what was the title for this one? The High Sparrow. The High Sparrow, that's right. That's um, The director was new guy, Mike Mylod. Uh, doesn't recognize the name, but D&D writing again. Uh, other than that, what were your thoughts on this one? Uh, I thought it was another solid episode, you know, kind of just keeping the company line. Another great episode, well written, well shot, everything's great. Uh, but I really like the fact that all the plots are moving, you know, major plot developments in this episode. Yeah, that's one thing this whole ep- uh, season has done is, is stayed progressive like we talked about last time. And I feel like we're being redundant because we keep saying it's solid, good, produ- productive, and so on. But it's the truth. Every episode has really made great strides, moving the plot along, and keeping you enticed for every one of them. There's not a single storyline that I'm bored with or waiting to be done with because they keep getting you with a little bit, a little bit, a little bit more and always keeping you and wanting more and so i agree with my brother i thought it was really good um you know i wouldn't call it a setup it was more movement uh you can definitely tell now characters are converging we're having people meet things are changing uh everybody's moving their pawns around in their own little chess game to establish their own you know fight for power and dominance and strength and so i really looking forward to the next one after this um other than that uh, you got anything else to interject before we get right into the store yeah just you know i think it's a real testament to the show that there's not a lot of action in either of these three episodes that we've started with but super interested you know and like you say i'm very enticed for the next episode and and the season beyond but uh just you know major props to the show for keeping you so interested without having to you know sword fights and battles and you know, action stuff that most people are looking for. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had one viewer comment. I like to interject right here. They felt like the show has done a really, really good job of making each character important. That was exactly how it was made. I think the girl's name was Teresa when she sent it in. And uh, I couldn't agree with her more. And uh, I'm looking forward to see how it goes from here. Um, bro, I think we go right into the rundown. You good with that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, rundown. Uh, this started out with, uh, of course, the creepy, dark uh, house of black and white with Arya and her trusty broom. The uh, There's a little deal where Jack Nagar can't really hear what he's saying or anything like that, but it, you know, he gives the guy a, what looks to be a cup of water from the well. Um, he drinks it and kind of goes into a dead stare at one of the statues on the wall and then suddenly falls out and looks to be dead. Um, yes. What, what's going on here is people come to the house of black and white when they're, when they've reached their wits end, kind of, maybe they've done something terrible and they're looking for forgiveness, but the only gift the face must give faceless men give is death, you know? You hear him at the end of that where he says there's only one true God and we all know his gift. You know, that's the God of death. 
Well, see, I was really curious about that because, you know, I wrote that quote down and I was like, well, my first thought was, is the gift that every guy is life. But I guess you know, when you look at it from that point of view, you know, that that's true. You know, whatever happens, we all in the same fate. And so I, kudos to that. I think that's right on um, creepy when she walks by and you can see him dead and his eyes look like they've already turned blue. And, uh, you know, way to way to set the episode up. Yeah, it was kind of neat. Did you notice all the different gods they had in that place, though? Yeah, it was a little dark, so I didn't... That was one time I can say I'm disappointed I couldn't see the detail because it looked like there was supposed to be... That was supposed to be a major part of it, and I just... I wish it had kind of emphasized, and you saw a little bit, right? but you didn't realize you should be looking for that until they mentioned it toward the end of this scene. They didn't make a major emphasis on it. It was just, you know, it's kind of a... a just a small detail, really, of the building. But, yeah, they have the... The mini face god, that's the seven. All right. And then they had the weirwood face, that's the old gods. And that's the only ones they really show. Oh, no, no, no. They show the fiery heart. And that's the uh, Valour or whatever his name is. Uh, speaking of fire, the little fire rings everywhere. That was pretty neat. I like how they did that as illuminating the room. The that's little fire pits all around the floor. Absolutely. That was pretty cool. Uh, it rolls right into like a uh, a parade procession, which you come to find out it's the, um, the you know the parade going to the wedding. You know the procession there, and um, everybody's shouting for Marjorie, and you can just see the disdain in Cersei's face and emotion. I rather enjoyed that part. Um, and of course, it goes in and goes right to the nuts and bolts. I do, I do forever. You are mine. That kind of stuff. Um, and Cersei has to put her face on per the public, and it's, yeah, just I, I, I enjoyed this. Yeah. Yes, it's always good to see uh, Cersei get kicked in the teeth. Oh, know. there's no doubt she was stewing. Uh, I mean, it was over the top, and then of course it leads to the heavy panting, uh, you know, breath and so on. <laughs> uh, you know, you know the one thing about this, in which this could be completely off topic, but. Um, Marjorie, I don't know the name of the actress. I know she's been a ton of stuff. She is the first prominent character in a sex scene that you didn't see any nudity that I can remember. Uh, I mean, we've seen Cersei. We've seen things like that. I mean, she was completely covered except for the shoulders and neck. You know, not to say I'm disappointed. I'm just saying that it was kind of like uncommon. I mean, we've seen everything from everything from guy, girl, and like that. Most all prominent characters, we've seen something, but she was kind of one of the first ones. Maybe Stark's uh, wife, but I still I thought she, no, she got fully naked too. So uh, I thought uh, that was something different. You don't really see her naked though. and But you actually do see Marjorie naked in season two. When Renly's in there and she's trying to seduce Renly, to finally consummate their marriage, she drops clothes. Hmm. Well, I just, I don't know. It's the, la- the the three first three episodes and what I remember last season, you know, it was like, it was tit for tat, you know, no pun intended. And, um, I don't know. It was just one of something that struck my mind when I was watching it. It, it has no bearing on the show. I just thought it was something different. But anyway, uh, 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 pretty funny scene to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did I hurt you? No, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs> no, sweetie. Or, and then, of course, the, the boyish, uh, I want to do this every day, every hour of the day. You know, well, of course. Don't we all? You know? 
<laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, and of course it closes the scene out with her, you know, which is set up beautifully. You know, he just had a pleasurable evening, the whole nine yards. We're going to love it here. Boy, wouldn't it be nice your mom to go back to being happy and castedly rock, you know, yes. maybe she misses home. So Far I away. knew immediately she was doing a setup and to manipulate, taking a page out of Cersei's book, you know. Absolutely. And uh, there's no more vulnerable uh, time for a boy than when he uh, blasts his first seed. Yeah. <laughs> there's no doubt. Um, then it goes right into her manipulation. Cersei's got Tomlin's arm and walking what looks to be a, uh, a top side of a castle. And he goes ahead and hits her with, wouldn't you be happier at home? Don't you want to be at Castle Rock? And so on. And I you think she sees this. right through it that there is definitely an angle. Um you know, I was surprised they went right to it so fast. You know, I thought that would be something as a setup for another episode down the road or later in this episode. I didn't expect it to go right to it the next scene. I don't know. I kind of like it because if you look at it in the fact that, like you say, he was in a vulnerable moment. He would do whatever she asked if she just keeps putting it on him. So if you look at how fast he goes to make her happy, it kind of shows how, you know, Easily manipulated, he is. Right. Okay, I'll give you that. Um, then it goes right to uh, Marjorie with a group of little girls, and they're all giddy and, you know, giggling and all that stuff. And Cersei rolls up in there. And I, I, I thought I enjoyed this. For an episode that didn't have a whole lot of comedy, I did enjoy the, the part that she straight insults her as soon as she walks up. The alcoholic you know, part? Uh, I'd offer you a drink, but we're all a little young and it's a little early. And I was like, like, <laughs> way to throw a little jab to the stomach, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and Cersei kind of handles it better than I expected. And then, but she does put that line, you know, with that grit of her teeth, you know, whatever you need, you know? Yeah, I think she's playing this a little meek on purpose. You know, we've never seen her cowtail to anybody. You know, she's always got a mouth on her. She always thinks she's the smartest person in the room. So... I think she's playing an angle, you know, just keep your enemies close type of deal. Oh, there's no doubt. When she says, when she says whatever you need, it's like I'm going to be here to give you whatever you need. I immediately took that away from her comment that I ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Um, then it goes right into Greyjoy. We finally see Greyjoy this season. Uh, or should we call him Reek or whatever? He'll always be, you know, shaftless Greyjoy. Um, God, and here's the gruesome part. Uh, you see Greyjoy look up and you see things being with a rope and you think it's somebody's getting hung and then you get the visual of what looks to be a man and a woman skinned alive. Yes. Um, Wow. Uh, only thing was missing was my buddy Predator and him saying, want some candy? You know, uh, you know, my brother does a good impersonation of that. Um, but, you know, that's uh, like where Schwarzenegger and his M16. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, it, it was kind of a, it, a whoa, eye shock. Um, uh, it just goes to show the depth of complete cruel uh, no conscience, Ramsey. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. And you get a, you kind of get a cool scene too of the crows landing on the wagon with the other bodies in it, and that kind of a callback to the name of the book, Feast for Crows. So 
that's kind of a neat little just little throw in. Uh, but yeah, Ramsey's sick, just super sick. But the problem is, you know, when you and you get it when he sits down with his dad at the uh, dinner table there for a nice family discussion. Uh, he's sick, but super effective. You know, he's not making any friends, but he's trying to rule by the fear. Yeah, I mean, everything he said made sense for a calculated ruler to instill a level of fear that makes everyone understand you do as I say or you're on display with your worthless carcass, you know. Um, But I do enjoy that Bolton just, you know, is like, you know, stop eating, listen to me, you know, still shows his I am the Lord and you're going to pay attention. You know the dominant, but they both strive for that dominant. You know, I, I, me personally, early prediction, I, they're gonna, there's gonna be something between them eventually. You know, one's gonna say the other one is taking in too much power, or infringing too much, or something. That's just me. Um, but you know, he kind of narrows it down to he's just like a barbarism. You know, the amount of what he's doing, you have to realize that you're going to have to create allies. You're going to have to have these people support you, and if everyone fears you or despises you, uh, that eventually you're going to fold under that pressure. And he's right. I think he's absolutely on the point. And then he makes the line of you need to marry someone prominent, and it's like a slap in the face. There's Sansa, you know, and of course the next scene it cuts right to her and Littlefinger. And as you were saying earlier, which I you might have had a little inside knowledge being a book reader, uh, I put two and two together, and of course Littlefinger lets her know that yeah, this wedding proposal was for you. you know? Yeah, uh, honestly, there's nothing in the book. She's not there at all. This is not insider knowledge at all. Um, wasn't sure how they were going to handle this plot, so... Well, since it's new to the book, do you like what they're doing with her? It's still on the table. Uh, I like that she's a player. You know, even in the, in the show, they say, stop being a bystander, you know, which I feel like she's always been. She's just been a bystander to all the cruel shit that's happened to her family. You know, uh, she's constantly a pawn that's just crapped on season after season. So I look forward to her, and even though it looks like she's going to be married to another monster, but, you know, this is kind of dark sense. I see maybe, you know, maybe her trying to turn some gears and plot for herself a little bit. I'm not a fan. I think it's a huge leap, a bridge too far or whatever. I don't think she's ready. I mean, we've seen little glimpses of her doing things, you know, lying to the people, the Lady of the Vale and different things and so on. But it's a whole different animal to sleep with a monster that you know was part of the reason that over half your family is dead. You know, I, or a good portion of it. I, I just don't see a person mustering up that much hate to be able to go to that extent. You know, I just, I don't, I think it's a bridge too far. Um, and I think she's going to crack. I don't, I think there's going to be, you're going to see little thing. I think if they keep true to the character that you're going to see little things where there's going to be some suspect to her loyalty of this wedding and everything else and cause problems there, especially when whatever's coming down the road for Stennis to come there. So I think we're going to have a big plot there. Winterfell's going to become a major player in the store, a story. Uh, but 
I'm, I'm not feeling it. I think there's this is a little too much for her, and Littlefinger seems to be playing too many uh, pawn, you know, chess moves for his you know power play. So I don't. Uh, I need to see more before I really fall in love with this part. Okay, yeah. So are you are you saying that you think that the show is making a mistake by putting Sans in this position, or do you think in the show verse that Sansa just can't handle this plot? I think it's a cool idea to make Sansa go to be this guy's wife, considering the situation. But they haven't shown me enough that she's ready to do what they say they're going to do, in my opinion. Uh, you know, two or three things with Littlefinger, a liar here, there, and her acting interesting and being a part of the plot is not enough to go and be Ramsey's wife um, and do what I think what she has planned or what they think they're going to be able to do by being this queen. So, um, yeah, I think there's, I need to see more or them tell me what the overall goal really is. I mean, yeah, don't be a bystander, but what can she accomplish by being the queen of Ramsey? Well, I mean, I, I gotta be honest. Like I say, I, I don't have any clue, but, uh, I see her possibly going, uh, just suicide mission honestly i mean at some point you get tired of being stuck between a rock and a hard place and you maybe she just loses it maybe she you know sneaks up on ramsey slits his throat you know well that's the first thing that's popped in my mind is just when you were saying that is is that you know a stark will always rule the north the north always remembers you know it was made that statement what's to say they married and then she slices his throat Ain't nope. Nothing's gonna change because she'll be the the people are gonna follow her. She's a Stark, uh, but that's a but that's thin. You know, I mean, I'm, like I said, I don't. There's there's more to it. There's something. I, there, I'm, there's a missing piece of the puzzle that makes me believe that there's something that she can attain out of doing this. Right. I, I can see where you're coming from, but I gotta be honest. I'm super looking forward to this plot because. First off, as sick as Ramsey is, he's like super polarizing. You know, um, when he's on the screen, when he's doing anything, you know, whether you like it or not, it's interesting to me. You know, I, I think he's, you know, he's so sick and so just, you know, grotesque. Oh, demented. Yeah, that you, that you're almost just like on pins and needles all the time because he could just snap and and do something horrible. Well, I mean, considering what a season ago or two he was. You know, he frees Greyjoy and acts like he's his savior to turn around him. Like I mean, that's some twisted stuff. Uh, yeah. Kudos and, to that. And that's not to mention the, you know, the the women he releases just so we, you know, he can hunt them. Um, and you see when Sansa even shows up to Winterfell, you know, his uh, torture buddy, you know, that he, he sleeps with on a regular basis is giving Sansa the eye. So there's another little you know, mixture right there that could go bad. Right. Um, right before that, when Littlefinger was talking to her on the cliff, uh, he made a key line I really liked. I thought that was good writing. He said that there are, there is no justice unless you make it. Um, this show, that is quintessential 100% on point. Um, 
you know, everybody, that's one thing about this show. You think that the good guy is going to come back and avenge everybody else. And then he dies halfway through his mission to do it. Um, you know, it gives it more of a realistic version that the good guy doesn't always win. And then things don't always go the way they need to. And I think that's what makes the show so great and why I love it so much. Yeah. On this show, none of the good guys win really. It's just constant, you know, bad guys screwing over good guys. I mean, it's nonstop. I mean, there are some things like Daenerys is doing really good things for people who need it. So she's achieving it, but just as much achievement as she gets, things are negatively happening that makes it go back for every step she makes two steps back, you know, um, just so that the other characters, I mean, Tyrion got to kill his dad. He got to, uh, you know, take care of everything. Um, so a lot of those things happen that, are good and go to the right direction. Good guy gets a little credit, but again, uh, very rare, very thin. And, you know, that's why everybody's hoping for that scintilla of a bright spot that, you know, really makes the show, you know, that much better. Yeah. But that's the problem. It's like anytime they get a, uh, so so called good character, which most of the characters are gray, they die. You know, once they give you that hope and it's like a fist pump moment, like oh well shit he don't have long live you know it's yeah i mean a good example everybody was clapping and applauding when choffrey's choking to death but it wasn't the person there was it wasn't a person who got avenged to kill him it was just somebody who decided well i don't want you to marry to that monster um and so it wasn't there's 10 people that would love to say they killed Joffrey and they got their revenge. They got that taste, but it didn't happen. You know, it was somebody else, completely something else, you know, uh, that's, what's disappointing. you know, has anybody avenged Ed Stark? No. Has anybody avenged, um, the Baratheons or anything? No. I mean, there's so many people who have something bad happened to them and nobody's avenged them. Nobody's made it right. Some, you know, it's, it's a reoccurring theme. Yeah. Uh, and there's been a few, but usually more minor characters. You know, they get their comeuppance. Um, but no, I understand what you're coming from. It's just, I think it's all, you know, drag your way down, you know, keep you expecting horrible things to happen. Then at some point, they'll probably, you know, uplift you. Throw your bone. Yeah. yeah. Um, Brienne and Pod on the cliff watch the Littlefinger uh, entourage make their way. And she makes a comment, I know where they're going, even we have to go all the way around. Um, and then they go to a scene where they're sitting by, uh, uh, you know, like a little camp, and they just start talking. And this is where Pod and Brienne kind of open up to each other and talk about their past and where they're from and got some real good history. Love this. I really, really enjoyed learning about Brienne, especially about how she, you know, came from Tarth and, um, you know, that, that moment where she realized she was being teased by the boys and the dancing and stuff. And then it showed that why she became who she was, why she was attached to the Baratheon brother and, and then why she's in misery because the one person that she truly, you know, cared for, loved, you know, not in a sexual way, but uh, died right in front of her and she couldn't do anything about it. Yeah, this is a, uh, a awesome scene pulled directly from the book, um, which a lot of those scenes usually are. Now, the pod stuff, 
I don't remember. I don't remember that from the book at all. He may never have opened up about his past. But Brienne's story about the dance and all the suitors, you know, coming to see her and stuff like that, there was actually like a wager uh, amongst all the little lordlings, um, you know, kind of like who could take home the ugliest girl type of deal. Uh, you know, because yeah, I mean, she made it out like they were all going to see who, how long they could keep the game going to make her think. Right, and, that, and that's pretty much how it went down in the book too. Um, the little wager part, you know, fell apart as well. You know, everybody just couldn't hold the uh, act up. And uh, same type of deal. Renly came to her um, kind of savior. And right. I, lo- I thought it was cool. Uh, she called herself a lumbering beast. <laughs> that's a heck of a description for a female. Um, but then, you know, Pod throws in some encouragement and says that it's an honor to be your squire. It's an honor to be with you. You, you're a wonderful, great knight. I mean, you beat the hound. Um, and it kind of turns her, you know, the turns the page for her and gets her back on the bright side. And she decides to do something good and apologize for ripping him all the time. And, uh, yeah, I think she even says, I'm gonna start training you twice a day with a sword. Isn't that yeah, right? That's right. And, uh, you know, so like I said, I really enjoyed this scene because it, it gave it some background. You got to fall in love with the characters for who they are and why they're who they are. And then they've kind of, you know, created a more special bond. And, uh, but the sad thing is whenever this happens, <laughs> bad stuff comes behind it. I majorly fear for pod now. Yeah, I mean... He's just too wholesome, and he's the sweetest oh, guy on the show. Yeah, and like I said, we're going to keep the, the Brienne, you know, pack. I love you. I want to protect you. You're going to be a part of me. You're going to die. Yeah. And so... Yeah, I, I, I seriously worry for Pod, and it kind of sucks because he has all the book smarts, you know. He just needs the training in the field, and I'd love to see Pod be able to wield a sword and... And have his book smarts to go along with it. Shit, I'll put him on the Iron Throne. He's got the right temperament for it, you know? True that. True that. Um, moves right into Castle Black. And Stennis busts up in there and says, Have you thought about my offer to John? Um, John, of course, denies him. And Stennis <laughs> makes a comment like, You're stubborn, your father. You're loyal, da da da. And John mistakes it for you. A, <laughs> a, a compliment, you know? Um, you know, I'm liking Stennis more and more as I've watched this season because he tells it like it is. He puts real truth out there and he does what he's doing the right things. At first the whole witch and uh, stabbing his brother in the back and him failing, you know, at um, Blackwater King's Landing and Blackwater. And I was like, you know, I've always loved his right hand man. Uh, always, Davos. You know, Davos. I've always enjoyed him. Like I thought he was the voice of reason for Stennis. Now Stennis is has come a long way and I think Davos is part of that. And then it's just now it's a tag team of great, great dialogue and uh, really good knowledge of where they're trying to go with their storyline. Yeah, and I just love the actors portraying these roles. The the guy who plays Stannis is fantastic. You know, because at first in the couple seasons, he was really just stone. You know, super stoic guy. Oh, he was cold. Yeah, just extremely cold. uh, Man of few words. But now, like, I feel like they've upped his dialogue, and he's a little more outgoing, you know. And like you say, he tells it like it is. 
you know, I, I love his honesty. Uh, I, 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 you kind of root for him, but it's it's weird. You you have to forget all the horrible stuff he did to get to where he's at. Mm-hmm. You know, with with Renly for uh, letting Melisandre just burn whoever and leech whoever. You know, I mean, he's cheating on his wife to make smoke babies, and you know, I just. It's like it's crazy because this season has done so much to help Stannis' character. You completely forget about all the bad stuff. You know? Very true. Um, he makes some comments that make total sense. He talks about how the Boltons are, are in Winterfell, and as long as they're there, the people there will suffer. The North suffers. Uh, the Wildlings, you know, the best thing you can do is, you know, get rid of them or they become a pain. I mean, he's telling the truth, but it exposes that John has a soft heart to some things and that he understands that Stennis is right, but you would have to betray his oath and his faith to be able to follow or act on the, that device. Yeah, I mean, he's in a really tough spot because you know it's, he'd want nothing more. You know, than to go in there, take his family house back, uh, kill the guy who killed his brother, you know, give the North back to the Starks. You know, it's just, I feel like he he really is following in the footsteps of his dad, which could be dangerous, but maybe he could learn something as well from all the people that keep passing through and teaching him a little something. You know, I, I think it makes him stronger uh, character-wise. And and smarts wise, I mean, he with even with Mance, he learns things. Tormund, he learned things. Stannis, he's learning stuff. Amon, you know, they're all teaching him little stuff that's building him and building him, you know, up to this group better leader. Yeah. Um, next scene go, is Arya. Uh, she looks to be in, I guess, a, a little room or small study, whatever. And there's a female character there. Um, and she keeps asking, who are you? What's going on? And, you know, calls her a cunt and, uh, they're playing some kind of game. She keeps getting hit and Arya's like, you keep that up. I'm going to pow, gets hit again. Um, and then Jack Nagar busts up in there, you know, and kind of says, you know, you're not ready for whatever, whatever game they're playing game of faces or something. What, what, what does she say? Okay. And the books, this, this girl that the blind chick that's uh, walking around and, you know, helping out. She does this game called the Game of Faces, and all it is is basically a lie detector. Okay, somehow this little girl can sense when you're telling the truth or not. So every time she asks who she is, she says, "I am no one." She knows she's lying. She's still holding on to her aria, you know, uh, past life or present life right now until she gets rid of it. So that's why Jack and Agar comes in and is like. Where who those those clothes? You know who's that sword? You know yeah, you're wearing uh, Arya Stark's clothes. You right. You have Arya Stark's uh, sword. You know her silver. You know yeah. You have to remove all you know connections you had to your past to become a faceless man. Right, and it, of course you see her tire clothes up and all of her stuff, and dump them off into the water, and and then this was the part I agree with. You know. She's that needle, the good old sword her daddy gave her, and now Jon Snow gave her. Okay, that's right. Cl- clarify that. Um, but it's the one relic of her family that she has left, and 
she chooses not to get rid of it. And golly, I'm, I'm, I've done the same thing, even though I think it's going to come back to bite her. And I think it's going to be a testament to if she really wants to be who she's trying to be, one of the faceless men, she's going to have to let that go. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't think she'd get rid of it, and she didn't. And uh, I'm curious to see what how that's going to play out. I don't know. I, I like If I look way into the future, and if I think this pans out the way I think it could, is maybe he's, maybe Arya's putting in the long play, you know? It's like, yes, teach me all this. Teach me all the ways. I want to be a faceless man. And then when they send her out, you know, on her own for her missions or whatever the, whatever they do, I could see her going to get Needle and be like, yeah, I'll do my missions, but I'm also going to do this, you know, on my way. In my travels, I'm gonna start taking people out, and the I can see I'm here. Right, I can see way down the past or in the future. I mean, like maybe she comes across a Stark at some point, and she's not even you know Arya. She's a different face, whatever. But they see Needle, you know, and it's like, hey, where'd you get that sword? You know, and and, and maybe that's like a cool climax where she's like, you know, takes the face off. It's Arya, and then you know. Fade to black. That could be a great like end of season. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like John's at Winterfell if he goes there and takes her or whatever. Like, and then she rolls up in there and he walks up on her and, wait a minute, I know that sword. Who are you? You know, and then dun, credits. You know, yeah, yeah. that could be that could be a cool way to roll it out. Um, the next part is. They come, she's back into the building in black and white, and they're carrying another body out. Um, and Jack lets um, Arya kind of follow behind, leads her down to the room, I guess, to take her to the, the blind girl, where they pr- proceed to clean the body. Right. Uh, is this part of the book, too? I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm trying to understand this. Yeah, they're, they're just breaking it up a lot. You know, this is all one, like, major point of view chapter for Arya. So they have to keep breaking it up and and they are dragging it out a bit, but I mean, they, I think they try to cool out some things cause there's some magic involved and whatever, you know, so it's like, you don't want to just throw that at you so quick. You got to ease people into those types of things. I think, I think it's something you have to earn. I mean, that's a special ability. Right. And, and if you just look at how long have you been there, it seems like she's been there maybe a week, you know? If so, that, yeah. Um, she asks, what do we do, uh, with the body after the girl looks at her with no answer. And then it cuts away to the next scene. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's just what we're going to have to look forward to the next time. Uh, Sansa arrives at the Winterfell. Uh, this is where you see old Greyjoy reek, whatever, notice her. And then he cowers in shame and fear. So he doesn't make eye contact. Um, yeah. But you can imagine he doesn't want to be seen by her. Uh, just that's a, reminder of his past and the you know betrayal that he's you know yeah he was somebody of importance there and then now look at him cleaning manure off of something on the ground yeah just complete oxygen thief taken low oh gosh um you know this is where i think um this where bolton and littlefinger discuss you know their plays well, first, you know, she walks up and it's kind of a, oh my gosh, is she going to backhand Bruce Bolton in the, and then try to stab him with something? 
you know, but instead she curtsies and, you know, hello, Lord Bolton. Then she meets Ramsey, you know, keeps yeah, all right. the pleasures up. That's right. You're right. You and know. then she ends up going to her room and it's, I think it's one of her old rooms or it's her parents' room. I can't remember. I don't think they really like put too much emphasis on which room. It yeah. actually looks like the room Bran was in when he was laid up in bed Very after true. he'd fallen. Yeah, Cause that careful. window, you know. And uh, then but the older woman comes in there and says, good to have you back. Uh, yeah. Welcome so, home. Welcome home. And the North remembers. Right. Know? And then that cuts away right there. Okay. I'm, I was going to ask you about this. As far as I know, Winterfell was just like a burnt down husk. You know, I know all the walls are still standing and, but everything wouldn't would, would suggest would be gone. And I think all the people were murdered as far as I, I know, or taken prisoner and taken somewhere. Um, like who is that old lady? Like, was she still you know, at Winterfell? Is she just some random person in the thing that's saying the North remembers? Like, we remember, we love the Starks. Like, I don't know where this woman came from. It made me think that when Winterfell fell, everyone fled, and then now they're in the process of rebuilding it. The Boltons are in power. He's asked Ramsey to go there and be the the Lord. Um, I think these are just the people who work and live in the area. But the castle is, you know, the economy, where you go, where you work, where you meet, you know, you do things. Because, you know, when they were in there, you saw people who were cutting wood and shaping it and building. And you saw things, people getting hammered. And uh, you saw reconstruction, you know. Um, but you did yeah. see some of Bolton's, you know, soldiers and different people. And they're, like, they're the ones hanging the bodies up and uh, doing different things to maintain. Uh, but I think it's just the nucleus of the area. You know, not everybody lived in Winterfell, but they were in the area, you know. I remember when we watched season one and two, they were talking about all the people out there who were growing crops and doing different things. Farmers, you know, uh and they were the ones supplying Rob Stark's army. I mean, so there's got to be more people in the area, and they are just uh, there at the castle, part of the restructure, rebuilding. Yeah, I mean, I don't know for sure, obviously. But, I mean, I also could have thought it was some of Bolton's people, and they are just like, yeah, we'll stay with you just because we want to stay alive, but when opportunity strikes, you know, if we, if we come across a Stark, you know, we know where our loyalties lie. Right, you know, pay your taxes or you get skinned. Yeah, we're not gonna we're not gonna keep this guy around. Yeah, we'd rather not. No, um, goes right to John. Um, he go, he's sitting at the big table in the common eating area there at the Castle Black, yep. and I think he does a very strategic move, and he makes uh, Alistair um, first, first ranger. ranger. I thought that was a cool. You saw his expression change, like it showed him respect. It made him a man of importance. Um, I think it was uh, a really, really, really smart move and really uh, set him up, I think, for the next few uh, moments of everything that happened. Um, but also then, throwing in a ginger joke there yeah, on the, the latrine ginger, digger. Yeah, you uh, know, it takes a special group of men, you know, to handle <laughs> such a... Daywalkers. You know, and uh, I think it was a good one for a ginger, you know. I thought that yeah. was really, really good. <laughs> And then he goes into the real shit job, you know, the, you know, 
you know, latrine was nothing compared to evidently going to this hole. You know, uh, it's Greyguard. Now, Greyguard is just a dilapidated little fort, but it's like a tiny just strip of the wall, basically. So it's where you send the uh, peons to die, basically. You know, and obviously he wanted to split Janos and Alistair up. I know he's being respectful and awesome play with Alistair, I think. Because you could see at the beginning, Alistair was like, ooh, if this mother makes yeah. me dig latrines, <laughs> so I, will, uh, I will cut the nuts off of you. Yeah, yeah. You're going to put me on latrine job. <laughs> so when he gave him the first ranger and you know put him in a place of importance, and then I think he was trying to, like I said, separate Janos and him because you don't want to, you don't want them constantly chirping at each other about some kind of re- rebellion yeah, against them. Don't want to motivate each other. Exactly. So this is honestly my favorite part of the episode. It's right here, and this went down slightly different in the books. Now, kind of like last time with the election of Jon Snow, it was different in the books, but both were done excellent. I thought this was done excellently, but man, in the books. They take Jane Oslin outside. Same type of deal. He's all, I know people at the Capitol. You know, I have friends. They'll, you know, you can't do this to me. I'm a lord. I ran the the gold cloaks and blah, blah, blah. And they actually grab a noose and they're about to hang him. And they put the noose around his neck and he's like, you can't do this. And blah, blah. and Jon Snow stops him and says, you know what? You're right. We can't hang you. You're a lord. You know, you know. You have high honors and blah, blah, blah. And he turns to his friend, uh, Ed, and says, fetch me a block. And that's when they brings a block out. And he's like, you can't scare me with this. And, blah, blah. and then he puts him on there. And sure enough, he does scream for mercy and stuff like that. But, yeah, he just lops does the head Does he say, off. like, he's, I've been always been afraid? No, he just begs for his life. And, and you don't get the hesitation like you do in the show. He just hacks it off, you know. And it was a super crowning moment. For Jon Snow. Because in the show, it looks like they're setting up a kind of a, a split, a divide. You know, people that, uh, you know, aren't so, you know, hateful towards the Wildings. And then the other ones that are. And even as Steward, you know, you, you kind of get a glimpse of that. You know, Ollie is the one whose, you know, family was killed right in front of him. Uh, and then the Thins were like, we're going to eat your mother and your father. And sends him off. And he's the one that kills Ygritte. So he hates the Wildings. So for John to take him on as a steward and hopefully train him to be his replacement, you know, I feel like he's trying to teach him a little something about the free folk aren't aren't so bad. I know this horrible thing happened to you and stuff like that. But it is. It's creating this and now you think with the Jenna Slint people, it's like you showed mercy to Mance Raider, but Jenna Slint asked for mercy and you chop his head off. And that was a night's watch guy. So he may be furthering that divide, you know, making it much easier for one half to hate him and one half to prefer him. You know, so I I, see, I feel a little bit of a Civil War type deal coming John's way. I didn't get that. Um, I mean, I, I, I like what you're saying, but I felt like when he cut his head off, if anything, he bridged the gap because he showed he was a leader he put Alistair in a position of power and gained his respect. And so I don't see anybody having the motivation to defy or create the problem between them anymore. 
Um, I think he got rid of half the problem and gave the other half authority, so now he respects him. Or at least I think he will. Um, and so I kind of see the opposite effect. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, that's a that's a completely we'll see. So. Yeah. Um, and then we're back at King's Landing, and the priest, what, what's his title? Um, the High guy Septon. A, huh? High Septon. High Scepter. High douche. I mean, uh, yeah, this I mean, is uh, gross. Children, which one would you like? You know, who'd you like to worship today? Yeah. Did you notice that was Oliver? It was with the beard, with a fake beard. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god, man! It looks like somebody sewed a crotch to his face. Oh, it, it was, was sick. disgusting. It was sick. Know? Just a horse's backside uh, yeah, hanging off just, my face. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, God. Anyway, you know, and then the girl with the. Does she have her hair forward over to her face? The stranger. The stranger. Okay, that's what it was. You know, you know back in my day, the stranger was a little uh, something different. You know, <laughs> you sit, sit on, on your, your hand, hand and make it numb for a little while. But <laughs> yeah, moving that, on. But you remember, know. the many faced god is the seven seven gods or whatever, and one of them is the stranger, and you never see its face or hmm. its face. That pretty much okay. make the stranger is kind of death. Gotcha. Well. Nobody was looking at faces in that room anyway, so it didn't really matter. No, there was um, a lot of meat on display. Yes, eye candy was heavy. Um, so, of course, the sparrows bust up in there and uh, <clears throat> take them outside for a stroll. And uh, Oh, man, this is gross. <laughs> I mean... More meat on you know, display. I, Lots yeah, more meat. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, was, I, I wasn't complaining, but I was noting that we had a prominent character not showing nudity. They, they saved the nudity for later with the, for the pasty... Disgusting uh, old man ass. Yeah. Oh, let's keep hitting his hand until we uh, can see... No, keep swatting his ass yeah, every I, time he tries I, to cover his oh, disgusting gosh, junk. Man, nothing like a couple of tangerines and a sock dangling. You know what I mean? <laughs> 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 But you know, just a flat whiteboard ass. It's uh, like a crack running up it. It's like, oh no, just disgusting. I hope they, I hope they paid him well to walk through and do something like that. I don't know. To be on the show, I might bear it, bear all. God be with you, son. Uh, of course, Cersei. Um, Meets is at the table of the council with the you know um, the high scepter and he complains about what happened to him and how he was mistreated and they need to be arrested and executed and not very um, not on the forgiving side for a religious man. What do you mm. think? No, and I I love this little small council like you got uh, Tyrell saying. Is this true? That's oh, it's pretty horrible. You know he's like <laughs> dumbfounded by it. Then Pycelle's over there like, I think a man's uh, private life should remain private. You know, <laughs> he's uh, the Republican of the group, you know. Yeah, and then Kyburn's like, everyone knows. Don't worry about it. You know, <laughs> you're screwed. You know, it's just I mean, like, you're just digging yourself. Go be honest deeper. with yourself here. You can take that robe, you know. Yeah, he, and he's talking about, uh, well, even the lowest of the prostitutes, you yeah. know, deserve... Uh, the mercy of the maiden or whatever. Yeah, right. The mercy of the mother and the guidance yeah, yeah, of God. Yeah, you know, yeah. the, was, I'm a man of the of the, of the gods, you know. <laughs> just utter filth. <laughs> I, I'm just... Uh, and the, the douche, the master of the coin. That's a shocking, you know. Like, <laughs> it's a shocking revelation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I just, whatever. Uh, 
it was more comical than anything. Yes. Uh, and Cersei handles it cool and calm and collective, you know, and just kind of is digging for information. And uh, and it makes her, you know, go out to the, you know, I'm is is this what you called the flea bottom area where that you know these diseased and sick people are? No, what this is supposed. All right, this is what happens in the books. Okay, in the books, the sparrows kind of like are like like a virus. They just keep coming in and keep coming in. And what they do is they set up shop at the Sept of Baylor, which is where uh, Ned Stark got his head chopped off. It's kind of the, like the religious spot it's where all the weddings happen and stuff like that and they don't let anybody else in like they push out all the old religion kind of like they were doing here swatting dude down the street obviously trying to push him out you know uh and and cersei walks up to the sept of balor and there's a man scrubbing the floors on his hands and knees and same type of deal where can i find the high sparrow you know i was told i could find him here that's him on all four scrubbing the floors. So he's, you know, very devout, you know, just super humble and, you know, tries to follow the rules of the seven to a T, which is, you know, kind of scary sometimes because anybody that's, you know, that letter of the law can be just as culty and scary as, you know, liability. Right. So first off, awesome to see Jonathan Price. You know, he's yeah, a great actor. And rags and the way he goes and the comments, you know, like, uh, why no shoes? You know, I gave him someone who needed more than I did. And, yeah. um, oh, and his, his line, uh, why do that to the highest, um, scepter? What was his name? Septon. Septon. Yeah. He goes, well, hypocrisy is like a boil, you know, when it's Lance, it's going to hurt. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. was like, what a line. I mean, yeah. God. Excellent writing. I've always, you know, always you know, excellent writing uh, on the show. That was that was the real deal. I, I really, really enjoyed that. Um, and then, did I hear right? Cersei wanted to make her the high, I'm sorry, make him the high scepter? I don't think she really laid it out like that, that but she threw the high scepter in, in jail, you know, because he's a disgusting perv. Uh, yes. And she, I think she kind of hinted that you know, uh, well, you seem to be the the man running this and extremely devout. And it gave her two pillars. If one crumbles, you know, the whole thing comes down. I think she's still, like I said, playing another angle. You know, trying to get the faith on her side. You know, because she needs allies. Because you know, she's in a den of snakes right now. So, I think it's I think it's another just get another powerful person on her side. Oh yeah, manipulate her best at work. Um, you see Cersei enter, um, don't remember the guy's name, his little laboratory there. Oh, Kyburn's. Kyburn's, yeah. And tells him to send a message to Littlefinger immediately. Uh, well, send a message and remind him the importance of the Im- immediately. Yeah. Um, and then there's the part, <laughs> man, as you called it, you know, the big white cloth or canvas, whatever it is. I was waiting on it too. Ever since you told me to be looking for that thing, and I saw it, and I was like, my eyes were glued to it. Oh, I didn't it was... care about him cutting the the rat's head off. I didn't care about <laughs> anything else. I'm over there with my eyes glued to that sheet. I'm like, come on, Frankenstein me right now. I want to see him come over there. <laughs> you know, where are the bolts out of the neck? Where is that at? You know, where's that? You know, and it came through. You know, it was. 
it was like a happy ending. It was just right on the, you know, she was saying, rah, rah, he starts moving now. And uh, what's he say? Easy friend. Easy, Easy. my friend. Or something like that. Yeah. Dude, Kyburn is slick. Dude. He's creepy. Man, now that he slicked his hair back, he's even super creepier. Yeah. What, what are we using for that slick? I mean, I mean... Ain't no Body goo number five. I mean, what are we, what are we talking about here? I he mean, probably just uh, boiled that dwarf head he got and uh, just, got, just uh, uh, uses the schluffed no off juices. That's all gone now. <laughs> yes. Uh, mm. This is the part where it cuts to where Sansa's walking through Winterfell. Greyjoy hides in fear. Um, yeah, I got ahead of myself earlier. Um, Meets Ramsey. Ramsey kind of goes, you know, it's an honor to meet you. Uh, no, no, no. I'm sorry. This is where Ramsey talks to Littlefinger. Littlefinger's Little wa- over seeing them walk through the town, mm-hmm. and Ramsey makes the pledge that I'll never harm her. You know, I'll make her this, and which we're all like, bullshit. <laughs> you know, I <laughs> yeah. mean, give me a break, dude's you twisted. Know, he'll, he'll be flogging her before you know the day's over for whatever reason. Um, you know, it leads into, you know, Bolton coming up there and saying, hey, give us a moment with Littlefinger. And you realize Littlefinger and Bolton's exchange is nothing more than I'm trying to gain power while you're trying to gain power. And, you know, you better have, uh, you better be transparent because uh, I need to know what you're doing just as much as you need to know what I'm doing, you know. Yeah, no one, no one trusts Littlefinger. You know, how can you? He's the biggest weasel in all of the Seven Kingdoms. You know, so... I could easily see what Roos is doing here uh, because no one knows his motivations. No one. And he plays everything so close to the vest. That's why he's reading the, the message from the Raven, you know, and wants to know why Cersei is talking to him at all. So I, I can't blame Roos. I mean, they're both, you know, awful people, but got to hand it to him. He's just, you know, protecting his. Yeah. I mean, he's <laughs> he's done a major power play. Because he had a backing. The backing is gone. So now every move, you better make sure you're on the up and up. Yeah, it's uh, cool to see how Tywin's death is really affecting every plot almost. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is denutted most, uh, probably half of Westeros based on him falling. Tywin has done something epic when it comes to the shift of balance or the shift of power of the balance. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, way to go. And, Speaking of Tyrion, it goes right into um, him and Varys, and they're still in a box. Oh. <laughs> I mean, how many times? Goes, Three episodes, <laughs> we're in a damn box. He's and, that uh, horrible kid on an airplane that won't leave the visor alone yeah. on, the, on the window. <laughs> Sliding it back it's and forth. Like, you little shit, you better quit messing <laughs> with that damn window. <laughs> just let that window suck him right out. Yeah, and- <laughs> I Anyway, he's like, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm losing my mind. I got to go for a walk. Various says, How many times I have to tell you? You know, he's like, This is, you're the only face I've seen. And he goes, Well, I think I have a rather nice face, you know. I mean, it's a perfectly good face. It's some good dialogue. Um, And he goes, I'm going out. You know, you're going with me. And so they stroll into this um, town. What's the name of this town? Volantis. Volantis. And slaves everywhere and correct me if I'm wrong it looked like they were looking at little markings on their face that identified who they were okay all the slaves in Volantis like this is a very strict slave town okay so if you shovel shit you have a fly tattooed under your eye 
If you're uh, a whore, you have a tear. Uh, a hammer means you're a blacksmith. Uh, so everybody has a role, and if you're a slave, they tattoo your role on your face. That's kind of what I was thinking, but wicked. Um, you know, he's in town. He listens to um, this female kind of talking to the slaves and encourage him. What was what was her role? What was she? Okay, this is another red priestess, like Melisandre. Okay, she's basically preaching. Uh, the Lord of Light, uh, to these people. And at the end of it, she throws in uh, the Dragon Queen. So Yeah, as the Savior. Right, that's kind of a new connection that none of us have ever put together, you know, where uh, the Lord of the Light group wants, you know, to be on the side of Danny, it seems like. So I don't, like, I don't know anything to do with that. That I don't, th- I don't remember that in the books. I remember this Red Priestess... Actually, I think it was a, a guy in the books um, doing the speech and Tyrion coming across it and asking about it, but never the stuff with Danny that I can remember. So this is kind of an intriguing deal. But but to, this kind of goes to show you, even in Essos and Westeros, this religion is spreading. Gaining power. Um... We'll, we'll cut this little part out. Anyway, um, it rolls right into my man, Jorah, at the bar. Uh, you yep. get the little glimpse. He's sucking down shine or whatever it is, like it's going <laughs> out of style. My man is heartbroken. He's lost his Daenerys, his blonde beauty, dragon queen, the whole nine yards, and he's suffering. I mean, you can see it. Uh, he doesn't seem to take too kindly to a uh, cosplay, Danny. Uh, slutting it up in there. Oh gosh, yes, big booty blonde, Chimera queen. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and of course Tyrion and Varys are at a table right on the corner. Feel like we're having deja vu with Sansa and Brienne at a bar, you know, or a restaurant. It's funny how that's happened, you know, in almost back to back episodes. Um, but then it goes to Tyrion. This is the part that. Really confused me. Well, not really confused me, but I don't understand why it went that way. He goes over and doesn't have money, doesn't have anything. And I love the lines where he's like, oh, I used to be one of the richest and most powerful men in the world. And the girl giggles and not realizing you know, he's kind of telling the truth. Uh, and then he talks her into sex, you know, like, let's go. you know, da, da. And then as soon as he grabs his hand, he goes, I've lost my urge. Or I can't get it. What's going on here? I, I'm completely in the dark. Okay. Well, if you think all the way back to early seasons, this is how he kind of met um, Shay. Just, you know, Braun brought her in. She didn't seem super interested. But as soon as Tyrion started talking to her, you know, she fell for him. Okay. And the fact that she's a prostitute and Shay was a prostitute. It's like, I think he was... He was super willing up until the point where it was like, oh shit, this is really going to happen. And once you get to thinking about Shay, you know, he just couldn't follow through with it. But I, I do like seeing Tyrion with the golden tongue, you know, really going. But the problem is he's, 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 he's talking too much. You know, I used to be the richest, one of the richest people in the lands. I'm a dwarf, obviously. Uh, you know, he's putting too much information out there. I think that's how Jorah knew 
who he was and that how valuable he was. Not to mention that if he had looked over there and noticed that Varys was there, he's like, oh shit. Yeah, this is definitely Tyrion. And, of course, as Tyrion's known to do, he just pees off pretty tall landscapes. You know, because he pissed off the wall. Now he's pissed off this, you know, uh, skyscraper building. I don't know what this is. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest with you. When I was watching this scene, I was like, am I finna lose one of my favorite characters? Is he going to get a little... <laughs> is he going to get shoved off? I mean, if, he, if he's going to get the brand treatment, I mean, it was. I was like, nah. No, no, no. Nah, it no. ain't happening. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, I was just like, no way. And then, of course, Jorah, you know, then Jorah throws the rope around his neck, and I was like, "No, sh- no way!" You hang him you now. Hang this little twerp, <laughs> and, and then he puts it through his mouth and like that, you know, and throws him like a boar or a prize over his shoulder. And me and you are going to the queen now. My question: Which queen is he taking him to? I think they left it open ended on purpose. You know, uh, D- does the book say? Yeah, the book says. My guess, this is his bargaining chip to get back with Daenerys. Okay, well, here, here's the options. He already got a royal pardon from Baratheon before he was killed. So he has that. But he holds no lands or titles. And Cersei's offering a lordship for Tyrion's head. Or you got Danny, and like you say, hopefully a bargaining chip to get back in her good graces. But how good of a bargaining chip is Tyrion Lannister? You know, I understand he's he's a Lannister, but he holds no value as far as a hostage because he's a wanted man. He killed the highest Lannister there is, and he's on the lamb. So I just don't understand how great of a bargaining chip he could be. I think it's more about the motivation of the person who has captured him. In my opinion, he's not going to be happy going back to King's Landing and being a lord for Cersei. I think his love and devotion is to Danny. That's the reason you saw him gulping down moonshine or whiskey, whatever. And if this is a chance to bring her a gift or this, that, or so on, then that's what he's going to do. Plus, the preview shows him get thrown into the fighting pit. So he's going to make his way to go back to Danny. And so he's taking Tyrion to Danny. That is, I feel great. I feel great about it. That's my prediction. And I don't think it works out for him, you know, considering he ends <laughs> up in the fighting pit. So they're, they're, you know, that's what I feel like. Uh, and when he says queen, he only knows one queen. And that's Daenerys, you know, I think that's the big dead giveaway is he's he only recognizes one queen. Right. Okay. So, I mean that that's where I'm with that, you know. Um and of course then it shows the credits, you know, and it leaves you supposed to leave you in a cliffhanger, but you know, if you've been watching the show good enough or another previews, you kinda know where that means. He's gonna end up where he was planning on going anyway. Just he's gonna travel a little bit different way to get there. Well, there's a lot of people that don't watch the previews. Even they think those are spoilery, so they don't watch them. So it, okay. it, that being open ended like that can you know it's a major surprise to some people you know so I got you 
like I said, I think that's the end of the rundown. That was uh, that was credits after that, and uh, this is where we're going to our next session. We call best and worst. Um, I'm gonna say the best part for me starting out was Brienne and Pod. That scene where them together and talking, um, no action, no nothing. I really, really, really enjoyed getting to know the characters for who they are, what their motivations are, and what drives them, and. Uh, I re- that part right there was monumental for the episode. I think it makes me really look forward to what's going to happen with those two characters and where they go with this more, you know, a lot more. Oh, I thought I agree with you totally. Uh, but my favorite part is Jon Snow being Lord Commander and <laughs> hacking off Jano Slint. Uh, I'm sure he made another puddle of his own making uh, right <laughs> yeah. before it happened. Uh, I just love it. You know, whether or not all the Brothers of the Night's Watch like what he did, doesn't matter. I just like seeing him in some power, you know, and flexing that muscle. You know, I love it. I like seeing Jon Snow being a more interesting character. Yeah, I mean, as the seasons are going along, he's becoming more and more prominent, more and more of a leader, and more and more of a true main if you if you could narrow the cast down to like top four or five characters i think he's become one of them oh he's probably been one from the beginning but he just wasn't as interesting as he is now true that true that um worst part uh i don't remember much too bad about this episode i i'll probably go with some of the sands and stuff you know uh Probably, probably when she was on the on the top of the little cliff, looking down on Moat Kalen, and she kind of reverted back to squealy, cry, you know, meek sands of there for a second. I can't do this. I can't. I'll, I'll, I'll start myself. Around. I'll start myself. I'll never go. Yeah, I, I don't want to see that anymore. I want to see her be strong. I want to see her, you know, take the lead. Uh, you, you're proving my point from earlier. She's not ready to do the level of deception that they're throwing her into this episode. That, I mean, that could be the case. But I also feel like that moment after Littlefinger had talked to her, you know, avenge them and, you know, there's no justice unless you make it. I feel like maybe, like, that was her her turning point, you know? I don't understand she had the turning point of the veil with her lies and, you know, protecting Littlefinger and stuff like that. But maybe this is the turning point where she looks at it like, I can, I can do some damage here, you know, and that's what I'm hoping for. I mean, I really am. I, gotcha. I, I don't want to see Meek Sand anymore. Right. My worst part was the dragging of Arya's story. I mean, there was nothing exciting about her part of the show this episode. It was very slow. Uh, we met a new character, the blind girl, and all we got from that is is that some bitch slapping and somebody getting called cunt. I mean, that was as exciting as it got. You know, no answered questions, no nothing. She bare, you know, drowns her clothes and hides a sword. Um, of the entire episode, it was the least interesting part, and so I call it the worst for that part. You know, it's hard my, to find the worst parts. I mean, the 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 show's too damn good. I mean, it's just it's literally. <laughs> What was decent in a awesome show, you know what I mean? It's just right. If that's the worst part, it's. I mean, it just goes to show you how great the, the show is because 
that wasn't a bad part. It was just bad compared to everything else for the episode. Right. Um, let's move on to the next section. This is our farewell section. Um, we're going to say farewell to your man, Jano Slant. Goodbye. Good riddance. Yeah. I mean, um, super why couldn't pleased. you go ahead and poke him a few more times yeah. and, and you know, <laughs> stuff him like a pinata? I'm uh, surprised he had enough strength to uh, wait to get outside. You know, as soon as he said, shove it up your bastard ass, I probably would have shoved my sword up oh, his ass. I'm coming over the table, or as Adam Taylor, I'm, I'm coming out of the booth. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm, the sword would be wielding, his head would be on display before we got done with my drink. I Honestly, mean, I probably wouldn't need a sword. I just come off the top rope, just drop bows on him, oh, and yeah, smash his head with a local, you know, just the nearest cup I found oh, on a table. I swear, <laughs> oh, I just, yeah. I mean, there shouldn't have been any hesitation. You should bring it no. outside. I'm doing us all a favor, including you. <laughs> so, you know, uh, just lob- a sniveling ass. I was so oh, happy to see him go. And like I said, no uh, crowning I mean, achievement for John. I mean, I think we're going to do some like praise music. You know, let's do some you know dance. <laughs> Woo! You know, I mean, oh gosh, Sayonara, Good to see you go. One less thorn. You know. Uh. Um, man, let's go into feedback now. Um, guys, I'm going to put this out here. Uh, feedback was light this week and I really want to put it out there to y'all that we are dying for more of it. You know, we're at, at bleed TV on Twitter We're bleed TV podcast at Gmail, you know, send us your thoughts, your comments, your criticisms, what we can do differently, what you'd like, anything, uh, so we can uh, put it on the show and working towards you know increasing our fan base. I mean we're already we've gotten a lot of positive reviews and we really thank all those listeners. But the more the merrier. The more you can give us, we really really want it. Uh, we're really enjoying what we're doing and we hope y'all are too. So hit us up. Uh, don't hesitate. Even if it's one sentence, you know, hey your show sucked or hey thanks love this part. Hey thought this was funny. Whatever you know, give us a theory. What's your thought? You know, whatever you got on your mind, hit us up um, again at Bleed TV Podcast on Twitter, Bleed TV Podcast at Gmail. Uh, we would really appreciate anything you can send our way. Okay, well, very light. We only had two this week. Um, start with Melanie, and she basically asked, "What do you think Kyburn's motives are?" Kyburn, and you know, other than being a, a sick freak or whatever you want to call it, I, mean, I think he enjoys just having the freedom to do what he wants, when he wants, with basically like an unlimited budget. I mean, the queen lets him do what he wants, how he wants, and and long as she works at his behest. I mean. Uh, he has poisons, he's making things, he's trying to reincarnate, I guess, a giant soldier. I mean, um, I think his, his motivations are his work, you know, and if it, if it pleases the queen, great. If it doesn't, he doesn't care. Yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I think that really he's in the only situation he can do what he wants to do right now. I mean, no other lord is probably going to let a disgraced maester work 
blood magic or whatever he is he's doing in there you know just some nasty you know cult stuff you know doing his experiments so i think he just you know kind of glommed on to whoever allowed him to do that i'm with you i think his work is number one uh he's moving up in station because of it and you know as long as he keeps queen happy he's good Well, he's trustworthy. I mean, he does whatever she wants, how she wants, and she's facilitating what she needs and and while he gets to do his work. So, I mean, it's a a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about his past a little bit. You know, they found him lone survivor at Heron Hall, and then, you know, he goes back with Jamie, patches him up when his hand gets chopped off, you know, and makes his way to King's Landing with him. You know, he seemed like a kind of nice guy through that whole deal. But now that he's in there and now he's got his lab, you know, he looks kind of freaky. You know, just you kind of see his experiments. Yeah, I'm really curious to see how something he's created or done is going to become a major part of the story. Right now he's a very B actor in the situation uh, or be the storyline where, you know, he comes and goes a little bit, little sprinkles here throughout the story. When is something he does become integral to the story? So I'm, 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 I'm drooling for that situation because it's it going to step out of the bounds yeah. of reality. Yeah. Um, and then our last feedback is from Brett three episodes into the season. Who's the next character to die? Did Brad have a prediction? He actually says he thinks it's Pod, just because we like him too much. Well, they've created a they've created a situation where he's super likable, you know. Um, you know, every fourth episode, as you've always told me, and you're on the money, is of every season, every fourth episode is massive in mm-hmm. some kind of action or complete twist or just major moments, a major moment, and. Man, uh, you know, it could it could be a hundred different things. You just never know with the show. Um, I mean, right now we're waiting on Jon Snow to possibly go to Winterfell. We have Tyrion and uh, Jorah going to Danny, and we know he probably he's going to the fighting pits. He's going to go in there and die. Uh, we know that uh, Jamie and Bronn are going to uh, Dorne. And that could go south. Um, you know, if I had to say, considering we didn't see Jamie and Broad this episode, I think they're a big part of the next episode. Um, I think we're still a little ways from seeing Jon Snow go into the Winterfell, if he even does. Um, I think that Sansa and Ramsay have got a have their own little story before that happens. Otherwise it's a waste because she's not giving the opportunity to, to see if her deception can work or last or if she'll crack. Um, so it's going to be something to do with Dorn and Jamie and Bron possibly, or it's going to be Danny's story since we didn't really see them either, uh, with Jorah and, and Tyrion. So, um, if I had to guess a character that's not going to make it, can't believe I'm saying this. I'm going to say Braun. I'm going to say Braun and Jamie go to Dorne and somehow Braun doesn't make it. You know, I I just don't see Jamie dying. I just, you know, 
that's just, I don't know that Jorah, yeah, too. He could be because I mean, yeah, they've shown him in the fight and pit, but I don't know. They I'm, got a little I'm, ways. I'm hoping for some redemption. They got some time, you know. I I don't see Jorah and Tyrion, especially not the next episode. You know, if you're thinking just the next episode who dies, maybe nobody. You know, but next character to die, I'm I'm gonna say Grey Worm. I think I think he's a big enough character, but he's also a small enough character that he'll have an impact if he pass, if he passes away. You know, because I think they're they're pushing the Masandi stuff, and there's obviously gonna be some massive Sons of the Harpy problems. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to predict Grey Worm to go. Um, and don't get me wrong, he's alive in the books. I have no idea. That's just, for some reason, I feel like that's, that's possibly the next, the next death that could really send Danny over the edge, you know? Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. Because I don't, I, it, Jamie and Braun, I feel like they got a little time. Like, they, they haven't even arrived in Dorne yet. That's going to be a moment, just them arriving, you know. And, God, I just want to hear Braun, you know, with his mouth dealing with all those <laughs> his people. His dialogue ought to be pretty Yeah, big. absolutely. Because I just don't want the Jamie and Braun roadshow to end so quick. That's true. I just, I can see them two going in there. And Jamie is a valuable hostage because the daughter, really, they're not treating her like a hostage, but somebody's sending those threats to the is. But if Jamie comes there to try to do something, then that's against them, and so he becomes a And bronze collateral damage. And so that's, no, just, that's just me. Don't get me wrong. I feel like you're probably on the right track. Um, it sucks because I love Braun as a character. Um, it's kind of like Daryl dying on The Walking Dead. You know, he's just... He's a fan favorite, you know. It's just yeah, uh, yeah. All right, Daryl goes. But anyway, um, but that yeah, that's my prediction. Um, and honestly, Pod is probably the best prediction, just because they've made him so wholesome and lovable, and you know, and plus he's attached to Brienne. That's never a good. That's a death a death recipe. Absolutely. <laughs> no um. Well, like I said, guys, you know, feedback, hit us, you know, shoot an email, shoot us at Twitter, whatever you got to do, something. We would really appreciate it. Um, call that on that one. And I think we're going to go into something we didn't do last week. We're going to kind of skip around on it sometimes is we're going to go into reg- recommendations section. Um, I know in the first uh, episode we ran, um, my brother recommended um, Penny Dreadful and as a show to watch, and I recommended a show that's already come and gone called The Shield. But uh, on recommendations this week, uh, I'm going to let my brother go first this time. Uh, and just to let you know, Penny Dreadful starts May 3rd, so coming soon. Uh, and I saw the previews for it. It looks like it's another wild season ahead. Uh, they're actually up for a bunch of awards this year, or they got a few. I saw, I was reading it the other day, they either got three or five um awards and there's a lot of praise coming out for it that's good because it's a it's enjoyable show it's a slow burn but it's very enjoyable but this week i'm going to talk about marco polo Uh, and this is a netflix original series they spent tons of cash on this show uh it's definitely their biggest budget show they've ever made um really one of their only first you know 
uh, Netflix made productions other than like Orange is the New Black and things like that. Uh, Marco Polo is super fun. It's a you know story of the Mongols and Marco Polo's meeting with them and then all their adventures. It is an awesome, awesome, fun show. Lots of fighting, lots of political intrigue, and a little bit of fantasy. So, you know, I think Game of Thrones friends would really, really catch on with it and and get a lot of enjoyment of it. I super look forward to the next uh, season to come out. Uh, the critics killed it, but there were so many fans of the show that they went online, signed petitions, you know, made forums about how they were begged for season two, and Netflix CEO listened, and it's already been signed on. So, sweet, sweet. Um, I, I'm gonna go with a no-brainer. I mentioned it last week, and I think I just go ahead and say it. And I think it was, it could be the best TV show that's ever come on television, and that's Breaking Bad. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, as I said before, and I say again, I didn't start watching the show. Uh, I was told by my brother after the fourth season. Um, that I was a dumbass for not watching it and I've been missing out. But as soon as in that same breath, he tells me to hold off and binge watch um, everything going into the final season. And so we did. Um, My beautiful bride and I went to Destin and uh, we hit the Netflix and watched. And I swear, I think we spent more time in front of a TV than we did on the beach. And what a show. Um, And I think I'm preaching to the masses here. I think everybody knows how uh, amazing it was. Uh, The writing, the directing the in absolutely um, unbelievable acting Brian Cranston and then the crew um I'm just super impressed uh can't say I can I've really seen anything that comes to its level of just drooling can't wait to see the next episode completely heartbroken that it's over you know um and so uh I'm getting into Better Call Saul, and I'm happy they're making it. But if you haven't seen Breaking Bad for some crazy reason, which means you've been living under a rock, um, go get Netflix. Go get a DVD player. You know, go some, give somebody a beat down for a, you know, a cable connection, something, and go watch it. You you're really gonna enjoy it. It's a real treat. Um, other than that, we're going to uh, call it a show, uh, a wrap, and move into our uh, kind of like a spoiler section. Which we call it as PG. We really don't do anything big. We just talk a little bit um, kind of about the previews and where our predictions are. And uh, other than that, uh, you got anything else before we wrap it, bro? No, man, I'm good. All right, man. Uh, stay after music, and we'll catch you later. If not, uh, this is Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. I'm Jake. Catch you later. And we're back. Um, again, this is a little PG, you know, spoiler section. We don't have a load site. We're just going to kind of talk about what we think is going to happen on the road and based on what the preview kind of showed us. Uh, bro, what do you think of the preview? Yeah, we didn't have a little, uh, we didn't have the time to do the step-by-step breakdown of the preview, but we definitely see Dorn. You see, it looks like our first glimpse of the Sand Snakes. Um and if people were looking at the previews before the season started, it looks like it's about to be that part where they 
whip off a basket off a guy's head in the sand. Yeah. Um, you see some moving and shaking between Cersei and the High Sparrow. You know, you see them kind of sitting down and having a talk. And you see a part where they're at, um, you know, Danny's storyline where. You know, you see soldiers come down in this little canal area and a ton of those uh, harpy assassins coming yep. out. Yeah, It looks like they're really going to come to a head and a little bit of an all-out war brawl within the city. Right. And I'll be honest, a lot of the episode fours, you know, that are really big episodes, tend to focus on Danny and her plot line and sometimes John. So I think that'll probably be our big moment for episode four. Is a massive throwdown, you know, maybe the first throwdown in Marine of Unsullied and Sons of the Harpy. You know, not not a back alley killing, but like a, a big fight. A true assault. Uh, well, you know, I just didn't realize that the Sons of Harpy were in numbers. I thought it was like singular individuals who were doing strategic kills. Um, but that preview makes it look like there was... 20 or 30 right there ready to come out to the you know fight to the T. Oh no, there's a lot of them. If you look at the like was it last episode and you see all the, you know, the former masters on one side and then the former slaves on the other. All those former masters have nephews, sons, you know, cousins and stuff like that. Those are all people that are possible harpies right there, you know, just hmm. It's all the younger family and, you know, whatever, able-bodied people that are willing to get behind the mask. and Right. Remind me, what were some of the episode fours of the last couple of seasons and what was so monumental about those so we can expect a monumental four this time? Well, the main one I can like think of right off the top of my head is uh, Lord Commander Mormont being double-crossed at Craster's Keep and killed. And now, wasn't Danny and her and dragon... Danny the gets the Unsullied. In the same episode. And roasts everybody. And then do you see the dragon doing a strafe run, burning down Astapor, you know, and lighting that guy on fire. First time you really hear a Dracarys against a person. Um, that's why I kind of assume that it's going to probably be a Danny plot. It's time. It's time to have the big four episode. And I think you're right. I think it's prime for Danny. Based on that, you know, on what we've seen in the past season, what we've seen on the preview for next week, um, I think Danny's going to have a big, big shakeup. And like you predicted, Grey Worm could fall. You know, uh, it could be somebody in her, you know, small council that could die. You know, embarrass her. You know, what's her lover? Killer? Dario. Dario. Less likely for him, but you never know. I think I think Grey Worm probably has a little bit longer because I think they want to push that Grey Worm Miss Sandy plot a little bit. You know, I, I could see like a episode six or seven, you know, Grey Worm go down. Uh, but also it looks like we're going to get Jamie and Braun arriving at Dorne as well. And it doesn't look like they necessarily make it to the steps without a fight. You know, you see a guy on horseback running down Jamie. You know, it looks like you're going to get a one-handed fight with Jamie. You know, left-handed fight. Um, I'm sure yeah, Braun... Has Braun done a good enough job to make him as skilled as he needs to be? Well, I was kind of hoping we'd get a little bit of that road where Braun is still training him and training him, you know, on a nightly basis. Because in the books, it's not Braun; it's uh, Ilan Payne, the guy who cut Ned Stark's head off. 
is the guy training Jamie. And the reason why he chooses Ellen Payne is because Ellen Payne's mute and has no friends. So he can't tell anybody how inept Jamie is with a sword now. So Jamie can try to keep his reputation. You know, he fights in secret with Ellen Payne. Hmm. So it's kind of a neat little deal. But with Braun, you know, give him the gold. He won't say a thing. You know, he's just... Oh, yeah. Keep him happy. Yeah. So... And plus, you you love the dialogue between Braun and Jamie. And it's like, if that was a mute character. And not to mention, it's kind of a sad deal. They may have gone with Ellen Payne, but that character or the actor uh, is fighting cancer. And I think actually... He may have passed away. I'm not sure. I don't think so. But I know he's battling illness, and they couldn't bring him back to the show. Oh, that's too bad. I didn't know that. Uh, but it's interesting to know that they—that's how the story's different, and they're diverging from that. So, uh, but that—but that's one of those divergences that people like, you know. Well, yeah, Braun. I mean, my understanding is Braun does not was not very integral, but since this guy has, they have made him a big part of the show. Honestly, when when Braun got to King's Landing. In the books, he just fades to the back. But they have, he's like I said, he's such a fan favorite. They know what they're on to, and they're they're pushing him in. And you know, instead of bringing in new characters or characters that were kind of backgrounds, like no, just put Braun there. People love him. He's a fantastic actor. Let's just keep him around. You know, so good on it, really. And that's pretty much all I can remember from the preview. So yeah, I mean, there wasn't the previews were kind of bland. I mean. The, but the stories are definitely, it's time to have Dorn. I mean, we we saw that little two minute clip of him and his bodyguard, and you know, uh, it's really really time to see if we get them in the mix and the play. Like you said, Sand Sisters, Jamie Braun, all those things, and so I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, I just don't know if that's the location we're gonna have the. <gasps> You know, moment of episode well, if four. Freaking Braun dies. That'll be enough for me because that'll yeah. just be devastating. Be enough for a lot of folks. I mean, it'd be crushing. Yeah, I, I hope that doesn't happen. Honestly, I'm kind of worried though. Well, let me ask you this: in the books, who goes with Jamie to Dorn? Okay, in the books, Jamie doesn't go to Dorn. Huh? Okay. okay, Jamie. Same kind of deal. Pissed off with Cersei, he goes out on his own little mission, but he goes to the Riverlands. Okay, to kind of. Settle the things between the Blackfish and Edmure Tully, that whole group, uh, Catelyn Stark's whole family, on her side, you know they're they've all been taken over by the Lannisters and, and the Boltons and stuff like that, but they're still kind of battling each other, you know. So he goes to smooth all that stuff out. That's where he's training with Elaine Payne in the woods, and you know, it's all you know just. A little more side story. So the fact that they're throwing them into Dorne is is kind of awesome, but also scary. Other than that, man, I, you know, I didn't I didn't go read or try to do anything to kind of break anything up. I just want to stay as virgin as I can for episode four coming up. Absolutely, and, and you uh, should drooling with anticipation. Can't wait. Um, just just love the show as always. Love casting about it. Um, well. Uh, there were some book difference. Okay. That's right. Do, do Show us some comparisons for this episode versus the book. Okay, well, first off, Stannis. Stannis is at the wall. That's all there and stuff like that. 
But what we get is we only get a couple meetings between Stannis and John. Okay. The fact that the food is very important, you know, where he talks about how we can't feed Stannis's army for too long. It's just a matter of survival. That's a major plot line in the book. Okay. Because he's got Stannis's army. He's got thousands of wildings and he's got his black brothers. Okay. So the food stores are a major deal. And so you get all these constant meetings of Stannis and John and like John being super stubborn, not listening to Stannis. You know, Stannis keeps constantly coming at him. Just let me legitimize you. Take Winterfell. You know, we'll all play out better for this. But then there's also another character that comes in that's not in the book or not in the show. And that is a banker from the Iron Bank of Bravos. Okay. In the show, Stannis and Davos go to Bravos and basically beg for money from the Iron Bank. You remember that? Mm-hmm. Okay. In the books, Robert Baratheon had mailed up major debt with the Iron Bank and major debt with the Lannisters, which kind of broke the Lannisters. Okay. And Littlefinger was the master of coin. So. In a way, he was kind of making problems as far as their accounting as well. You know, I don't know what he was doing the money, but he was never saying no. So he was just whatever it was, whatever it was. And they just keep getting more and more in debt to the Iron Bank. Okay. The Iron Bank is well known to you better pay your debt or we'll find somebody that will. Okay. So what they do is they send a banker to Stannis and say... We'll give you any money you want or all the money you need, you know, to take the throne and get that money back to us. You know what I mean? Because they just want their money. And Stannis is the most powerful at the time. So he's like, we'll back you, whatever you need, money to buy sell swords, whatever. Go take the throne and then pay us back our debt. You know, so that's why they're backing his play. Okay, so that it's not a huge difference, but you actually like the banker character. He's kind of a cool character. He's like this super tall black guy with a crazy hat. Uh, I think his name is Nesteros or something like that. Mm. Um, he's got a cool way of talking and things like that. So, and he randomly shows up in places that you don't expect. So, and he even has meetings with John about you know uh, money for food and. Uh, safe passage of ships to bring them goods and things like that. So it's almost like he's a salesman. It's kind of, I'm kind of disappointed that we hadn't seen a character like that. Yeah. He's, he's kind of like uh big banks or big corporation. You know what I mean? He's like a lobbyist. Yeah. He's like, look, we'll get you what you need, but you, you owe us this favor now, you know? So it, it's kind of a neat deal. Uh, I wish the iron bank was a bigger, uh, a bigger role in the show because in the books they're like a looming figure, you know, that could, you know, crash anybody's party because they have so much financial backing. Hmm. Yeah, I could, I could, I could definitely enjoy seeing something like that. Okay, now there's a big one. Sansa is not at Winterfell at all. Okay, in the first couple seasons, I think she's in it. But when you see Santa, Santa, the first season, when she's like, 
sewing and things like that. And she has her best friend. And her name is Jane Poole. Okay. Jane Poole was a survivor from Winterfell. Uh, she went with Sansa to King's Landing as like a, you know, just a tag along friend. So what they do is, since Sansa's gone, Arya's gone, for the Boltons, the Lannisters send Jane Poole back to Winterfell and pretend she's Arya and do the marriage alliance with Ramsay with a fake Arya. Okay. Huh. Like and the way that. and the way they do this is with Theon. This is where Theon or Reek comes into play because the North all knows that Theon knows what Arya looks like and knows who Arya is. So they make Theon walk this fake Arya down basically the the aisle and give her away to Ramsay to legitimize that yeah, that's really Arya, you know. And to make it put on the big show, basically. So all the other lords in the area are like, I guess that's Arya. This is a Stark. They're marrying. You know, that's their big plan. That's Roose's big plan. Right. So, I don't know. It's kind of a neat little plot, I guess. But, like I say, Sansa is such a bystander character, you like to see her get thrown into the pit a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I like what you're saying. I just... I don't think that'd be a very interesting plot. It's not. It's you, not. There's a ton of subterfuge and stuff like that. And it, yeah. trust me, it has a bunch to do with some other characters that were just like, oh, this is a bridge too far, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, they're just, that has no probative value. I mean, if they find out, they slice her throat, who is she? Who cares? Yeah. You know? no, it's, she's, she's not a character you've desire, fall in love, or will be upset that they're gone, you know? So... Uh, I can see why they left that part out because it doesn't no probative value. Yeah. Okay, and here's another massive difference. Not not totally massive, but it is a massive removal of a character from the books. Okay. When Tyrion is in Volantis and Jorah kidnaps him. Okay. The reason why Jorah finds out that Tyrion is there is because another dwarf female named Penny attacks Tyrion and tries to kill him with a knife at the bar. Okay. And what you find out is this little dwarf female is her name's Penny. Okay. Her and her brother were two jester dwarves basically. And what they did was they rode a pig and a dog and jousted each other as a show. Right. All right. You remember when Joffrey's wedding, and all the dwarfs were running around and yeah, I remember. killing each other. Did the Battle of Five Kings? That didn't happen in the books. Instead, it was two dwarves, one riding a dog, one riding a pig, and they were jousting each other. Okay? And it was all just a slight at Tyrion. And what happens is he tells Tyrion to go in there and ride the pig and joust. And Tyrion refuses. And that's when he pours the wine on Tyrion's head and all that goes down. Okay? Now, since Tyrion killed Tywin and is left and stuff like that, and Cersei's put up a lordship to anybody who brings Tyrion's head, dwarves are somebody killed dwarves are dying everywhere, and they chopped off her brother's head and tried to get a lordship for it. So when she saw him in the bar, she attacked him out of rage, 
And she's like crying, like her eyes out and stuff like that. So what happens is Penny is in the rest of the story. I mean, she is tag along with Tyrion the rest of the way. And you you get to know her and her backstory. And they kind of have a slight, she's kind of infatuated with Tyrion a little bit. Even though she hates him. You know, it's... uh, So we get a little dwarf love going on here? A a slightly dwarf love, I guess. Not really coming from Tyrion's side. She doesn't want to, he doesn't want to lead her on, you know, but he realizes like how fragile she is mentally and stuff. Um, but yeah, she brings her, her dog and her pig with her everywhere she goes. Oh my Lord. Uh, it's like I said, it, Tyrion's story gets it's like a bad joke way you know? out there. <laughs> I mean, two little people, uh, you know, a pig and a dog. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. So it's a, a welcome omission, you know? Another good decision to leave out. <laughs> Let me put that out there. But that's all I got. I mean, that was the major, you know, differences. So I hear you. I hear you. Well, guys, um, I, I don't have anything else other than uh, again, love the show. Uh, really enjoying casting on it, uh, having a blast. Um, one more time again, man. Send us some feedback. Hit us up at, at Bleed TV Podcast and Bleed TV Podcast at gmail.com. You know, really want to hear your comments. Uh, doing it for you guys. Really want, you know, hearing y'all's opinions is just as valuable as watching the show. And so, really hope you can take the time, send us something. Uh, but other than that, I think we're going to call it a day and we'll hit you guys next week. You got anything else, bro? No, that's it. Just we'll reiterate. Please send us some feedback. We really want to, I mean, honestly, we really want to shout you out, you know, make you a part of the show. Absolutely. Anything Absolutely. you send us, we read it online, you know, we give you your name, anything you need. Just, we really want to you know, build this community. So No doubt. But until then, guys, we're looking forward to see y'all next week. And uh, this is Bleed TV, and I'm Zach. And I'm Jake. Later.